You are listening to the Brenton Thwaites Hour, presented by Exceptional Thieves. Well, it was nice meeting you, and once again, my apologies for being such a clumsy fool. I'm looking for a pirate, Captain Jack Sparrow. You hear me? Nothing bad's gonna happen to you. Do you know how long I've been waiting for this moment? The risks I've taken to be here. Seen any good movies lately? Yes. I've watched a couple of things. I've also watched some bad movies lately. Okay. I got, I wanted to basically, I got in a weird mood and I wanted to see a film that was originally made in 3D. Okay. That I hadn't seen for a long time. That is a weird mood. Yeah. Um, Or a specific film? My Bloody Valentine, which is a horror film, because I was in a horror mood the other day. And it's 3D a, horror. A 3D horror film from like 2010 ish, starring Jensen Eccles, the the short one from Supernatural. Um, <laughs> because that's what he was doing at the time, making horror films. It is. I didn't finish. I watched 20 minutes. Wow. It's so bad. Like there's a, a killing spree at the start that's supposed yeah. to like kick off the 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 bad guy stuff. The first. Do people 3D. keep swinging axes weirdly to make them come no, out of the, the screen? The killing, the killing utensil is a pickaxe because it's in a mine. Um, <laughs> the, I don't know the, why that's funny. The first moment of three D that is, but like a cheesy. mine where they have pickaxes, like Snow White and the Seven exactly. Dwarfs. It's exactly like that kind of mine. It goes through the back of someone's head and brings an eyeball towards the screen, and I'm like, oh. why would you do that? It's it's not even like. Yeah, there's. I turned it off. It was so bad. Yes, yeah. What is the absolutely undeniable conflict and contradiction within inherent within 3D horror? That you have to have things go towards the screen. I think a good 3D. There's something about horror. Avatar. Yeah. Every 3D conversation will come back to Avatar. Sure, until the end of time. Because 3D isn't a. Avatar's not about the 3D. It's just that's no. there to immerse you in the story of Avatar. Yeah. There are small moments where like a grenade bounces and comes towards the screen and that when, when you watched Avatar for the first time at mm. Cinema 5 in South Bank, that one little bit of grenade was like, it, it jolted you because you'd forgotten that you were watching a 3D movie because yeah. you were so involved in it. Horror makes a massive mistake of just being like, yes, we're 3D now. We can make people scared by shoving shit in their face all the time. Yeah, it doesn't I think... immerse you. It just brings. It's it's. It, I think their idea of immersion is instead of bringing you into the story, it's bringing the story out to you. Whereas mm. that's what Avatar does correctly, and 3D horror is the complete opposite of that. Yeah, it, and also what's. And 3D versions of other films. What's horrifying about something? I think it's it's just it's putting the cart before the horse in terms of horror. Yeah. It, of what's what's horrifying is something gross or dramatic coming at you out of the screen or or being eye catching in that way. And like a good horror movie, it's it's all about the the like, context of what's happening. Arguably, if you saw The Shining which is one of the best horror films ever made. Mm-hmm. If you did that in the same way James Cameron has done 3D with Avatar, mm. and instead of... Because The Shining doesn't have any jump scares that come out at you. If you mm. did that film and just immersed 
like if you put people into the store, like you would feel part of the hotel more by having the hotel parts of it coming towards you. Like you are then immersed in the story itself. Yeah. The Shining would be horrific to witness in that way. Yeah. But a pickaxe coming at you in and of itself is just that's sort just of fucked up. like that's an action thing. That's an action scene premise. Yes, that's like bad you, boys in three D. Yeah, like you, you, like you could, like Mortal Kombat in three D. Fine. Yeah, because you, you, that's what you expect. Yeah, you got a you Mortal Kombat eyeball. Some guy swinging one of those little mm. knives on a chain, and it comes out. And you're like, oh wow, yeah. jaws. Yeah, <laughs> I watched. Uh, I finally watched Doctor Sleep. Yeah, you know, recently I hadn't, hadn't oh, seen yeah, it yeah. yet. Yeah, surprisingly good. It's pretty great. The way he holds the hotel back. I also like that the it being a Shining sequel, mm. not important. Yeah. You don't have to have watched The Shining for the film to be good. Yeah. It's just a nice film. It's just a creepy hotel mm. that, he, that he goes to. And I, I realized that Stephen King, is his story, is it's playing out a lot more like a... It's, it's a horror movie with the pacing and beats of a crime thriller. Or drama. That's, I think, what a lot of Stephen King books are. They're horror books, but they are not paced like horror. Yeah, it's it just... makes it really fresh. I think that's why he adapts to short to miniseries so so, so well as well and so frequently. Is, yeah, yeah, I was watching that. Oh, this doesn't feel like a scary or a horror movie. I'm not on edge about something's going to jump out of a closet all the time. But it's slightly it's kind unsettling. Because of, it's not... It's not asking that of itself mm. it's just telling you a, a much longer more meditative story about these characters with these yeah. horror components to it and i th- i think that's 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 what makes him good to read is because a lot of his a lot of his books are so long but yeah. for the entirety of it it's quite unsettling and mm. because he's so detailed about the lives of whatever person he's done like christine the book about the killing car the murderous car Mm. It's like 900 pages. It's so long and so in-depth. It's great. And like you do finish it. The same with it. You finish it. But there's so much detail about every aspect of these people's lives Mm. that the underlying current of terror just comes out at moments that it needs to. Yeah, it kind of gets lost. (laughs) That's that cocaine writing. I think that's why those sort of movies like Christine, the original It, um, don't work. Like Pet Cemetery. It doesn't work for a film because yeah, you can't rubbish. get that subtext. The only things you get to see on a film are the scary moments mm. and they don't mean anything to you unless you also are bored shitless by this person's regular everyday <laughs> life and being yeah. like, yeah, this is, yep, cool, this person is, okay, yeah, cool, this fixing his car real happening. slow. Yeah, this cool. oh, the car killed someone. Oh, cool. Like, it means more when you are immersed in the story. So why do you think Brenton isn't more famous? Nice segue. Because I, because I, <laughs> that's one of the things I've wondered. And I, recent, and I well, recently had the internet reflect this back to me. Now, true, he's definitely much more famous now than when these were written. But I've always felt like he's not as famous as he should be. Well, and I refer you to, um, this is obviously going all the way back to 2014. Mm-hmm. But the, the title of this, of this article is, Will Pirates 5 Make Brenton Thwaites Famous? It's a good title. Presuming that he's not famous yet. And it says, pop quiz, who is Brenton Thwaites? <laughs> One of the potential answers, is that a James Bond villain? So a little little 
Could he be? No, that 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 wouldn't be. Depending on the new James Bond, it says no one. Stop it! You're making that name up. It says, believe it or not, the clunky name of the 25-year-old people will not stop having a go. We've we've had other articles that are basically an implausible name. It's been called all sorts of things. Then later, only three years ago, could an interview with God turn Brenton Thwaites into a star? And so there's a way in which all of these roles in these blockbusters and, you know, really interesting and well-received indie movies haven't translated into the kind of star power. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing him on Graham Norton's couch, you know? He hasn't? I'm not seeing him on, Bill, on Billy on the Street. Has he been on any of those shows? Like late night shows? Yeah. I don't think so. Then is that the level of now this person is famous because they're on a late night show? But I also would like to know how much of that has been a choice. Because I know he has said in some interviews about how, you know, I'm not, I'm not this massively like famous actor in the way some people are. And he sort of enjoyed being able to sort of work on his craft a little bit more outside of the spotlight. While maintaining a level of anonymity. Yeah, because I think, I th- I think, and I'm thinking this might come out as we work further through the filmography, he gets kind of thrust into his literally Disney Prince phase and Pirates phase, mm-hmm. but then all of the other movies he's doing are really far outside of that, outside of that genre. And so I think he's really trying to, I think he's, I don't think he's courting that fame at all. I don't think he needs to. He also very much doesn't need to. Like, um, I think... Well, he's on the project. Um, well, that's... If you're Australian... Who amongst you're, us exactly. has not... Who hasn't been on the project. <laughs> it's easier. I think... Easier to say who hasn't on the stage like, what body you know what I'm saying. manage to keep your personal life private, yeah. it means you can stay relatively anonymous yet still be very recognizable like rowan atkinson yeah you do not see tabloid journalism or no stuff about rowan atkinson you never hear rowan atkinson coked up again exactly at the strip he has a personal life punched a bouncer drives race cars and has a great time yeah he punches bouncers at clubs that are so elite the tabloids will never hear about it he's they have special bounces for him. He also has, hasn't done a lot. No. Like in terms of do a few content, things well. He does. He did Bean for a while. He did Blackadder for a long time. He's done a lot of little things. He, Daniel Craig. Daniel also Craig also not keeps in there, himself not in there like you and me. Exactly. Also very much outside Massive the spotlight. Following. Yeah, but absolutely. And they keep trying to drag me into it, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to the club tonight. So I don't. I I'm not worried about Brenton needing to become what we would term famous as being Brad Pitt. Mm. Yeah. Brenton is a very good actor who has a nice career that is progressing and he's getting constant work, which is fantastic. Yeah. And that's that's what that's what we want for Brenton. It's just interesting who ends up with that sort of profile and who doesn't. Because I think it's something that a lot of people, lesser stars, obviously, would court more actively. Because you've yes. got to keep the brand alive. But you that's know, the thing. you've got to keep people talking. You've got to have a TikTok account. Jessica Chastain has a TikTok account. Jessica Chastain. She's yeah. a very capable actress. Yeah, I know, and I feel, and I feel like I want to say, I don't f- like looking at it. I don't feel like she really wants to be doing it. 
but I feel like she's been I, I don't think it's like a blink twice if you if they're making you do this thing but I just I feel like she's I think someone's advised her oh. that this would probably be good oh because that see if that's if that's the case then it means that she, it means that she feels that her career may be plateauing yeah well she's got to try and well she does have to try and shake off that dark phoenix energy Yes, which is going well, to take I, actually, a while. I don't think she does. She's What's her name? A lot of good What's her stuff. name? She, she's an alien called Spal Flag or something. In the Dark Phoenix. Yeah, she's got some weird name. It doesn't matter. The movie was shit. I don't think Brenton needs because we do talk about wanting to help Brenton's career. Yeah. Reach that next level. Of yeah, style. and I think we should do that by making him incredibly famous. That is that is one of Wednesday the, the Chihuahua. It is one of the ways that he could continue to the next level i do continue his meteor because daniel day lewis is one of the greatest actors of all time so you did a lot of work so you think brenton could be following the daniel day lewis path i don't think it's a path i just think it's an example we can use in that you've got no idea about daniel day lewis's private life and it doesn't matter but I bet it's weird. I bet it's weird, and it's great. It's what his what it's like. Life. I'm feeling but a lot of robes. Daniel Day Lewis is like capes. Famous. You would class him as being famous. Kinda for the work that he has done. Yeah, but he's done so much work. He's a known actor, and he's very well known within film. And Brenton, but like, but like Daniel Day Lewis could walk down a lot of streets, I reckon, and like the common folk. The swinish multitude, they're not going to know Daniel Day-Lewis. It's Jennifer Lawrence. She's going to have a harder time walking down the street because she's out and about. She's but, charismatic. You can't get her off Graham Norton's couch. We don't want couch. Brenton to be able to, to have to walk down streets and be recognised by people all the time. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm just, you know... We're like just, it would be much preferred for Brenton to be respected in the community and for people to be like, oh, that's a Brenton Thwaites movie? Hell yeah, I'll go see that. But then also just accidentally walk past him in the street mm. or sit mm-hmm. next to him at a cafe and then like for 45 minutes be just like, like contemplating with their girlfriend. Like, is that Brenton Thwaites? I just know. like it subtly like Googling Thwaites. him on your phone then look exactly. up and then look up to down. Exactly. And then you're like, I'm not quite getting it. And then you Google Brenton Thwaites at cafe in red you shirt. Want, look up, look down. Yep. You, you that's don't him. want for Brenton just idiots in the street yelling Wilson across the road to Tom Hanks all the time. You don't want that no, shit. No, Because. So we don't want him to have Tom Hanks level of superstardom. We don't want him to have to have Tom Hanks level of superstardom. And we don't want him to mm. have to seek social media as, as a platform to yeah. build following. Because yeah. he very much does. He's, he, he doesn't have that big accessible social media personality vibe. You know, where you're doing like little videos and stuff. Like Will Smith, he's got a YouTube channel. He's out there. I think the YouTube channel fits what Will Smith's brand has been since the 90s mm. in being a rapper and a comedy person. Yeah. And like that that yeah. lends itself very, very well to having a YouTube channel. If you're not a stand-up comedian, you do this instead and this this way people can have fun yeah. and you can be like real funny and like yeah. you have your following that maybe way. we maybe well i i think it sounds like brenton needs a podcast he could call it the brenton thwaites hour i'll happily hand the architecture of this over to him at the end 
after and even just the previous episode after of after we've finished talking yeah. about Brenton's films and other and other it, films and then it transitions and it just into becomes just yeah a chat will be with the Brenton. origin yeah welcome back to a chat with Brenton I think a calm podcast or a, or something suits Brenton's persona I or guess. like YouTube tutorials where he teaches us how to surf like teaches um, us how to play guitar in, yeah in his he runs a woodworking workshop yeah one of the reasons i love nick offerman mm. but every now and then he just does a tutorial somewhere about making something and it's like cool this is nick offerman making well, some shit much in the same way nick offerman has been immortalized in culture through the role of ron swanson brenton needs a similar accessible lovable role which sets him up in the culture as someone that he can then from which he can then extrapolate to a larger lifestyle brand I think this is a very important step for him. And I think it's a, and I think it's got to be very much him. So I think it needs to be Australian and sort of surf and maybe surf related. I'm just kind of stuck on surfing at the moment for obvious reasons. What I will say is though, one of the other things I've been thinking is that one of the things we've never really had on this podcast, which by the way, everyone, this is Exceptional Thieves. This is a podcast where Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. I'm Sam. I'm Isaac. And this is the latest episode of the Brenton Thwaites Hour, our special series, where we are exploring the filmography of the Australia's one and only Brenton Thwaites, watching every film and ranking them out of Brentonicity. This is a very subdued conversation thus far. Yeah, well, we're pretty subdued okay. guys, like, Isaac. Like, like, we like are very I feel relaxed like a calm. surfer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, surfing is the energy we're going for in this episode, you know? We're just... We're just like we're just a couple of Matthew McConaughey's kicking back with a Corona, probably, you know, talking about how glad we are our ex-wives don't call anymore, something like that. Um, but you know, we've never had I've ne- we've ne- we've never ended this podcast strong. We've never had a sign off. That we've is ne- true. We've never had a so you know it's There's over. There's no catchphrase. There's no catchphrase. So I was I just thought I'd try and come up with some. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So cool. I thought I'd run some of these like, by. Say hi to your mum for me. That's yes, cool. exactly, exactly. So let me know. Let me know if any of these um, hit hit right for you. Um, that's all, freaks. I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. Like it's cool, but yeah, it's obviously it's cool. Good. I came up with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, have a brentastic day. Uh, that's cool as well, but we're not a um, Tumblr channel. Okay. Thwell. <laughs> Whatever this is, it's perfect. <laughs> Thwell, thanks for thwisting. It didn't end okay. Oh damn it! I started so strong, <laughs> going with the going with the implausible clunkiness of um of of our boy Brenton. Uh, stay frosty, kings. Who knows where that's coming from? Nobody. What does it mean? It makes no sense. Yeah. Why um, do we want people to be frosty? And who are the kings? See, that's the thing. You come out of the episode wondering. Come out of the episode well, being see, like, what the fuck was that going on about? If we'd built a catchphrase about calling people Craig... Craig Keistadors? Yep. If we'd had a catchphrase from referring to it. See you later, Craig Keistadors. We well, can do the same thing for Brenton. Well, funny you say that. Here's my other one. As Daniel would say, just keep on Cragen. As Daniel would say. As Daniel would say, just and keep on Cragen. I'm doing finger guns that. for all of these. Not people can't see that, but I've been enjoying them. Yeah.
So that, um, well, colour me timbers, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. That think- sounds like the, the, the ending or kickoff of a climax of every single episode from some obscure British children's television program. Yeah, yeah. Well, like okie doke. Yeah. <laughs> Colour me timber. It's just like I always say. And then <laughs> yeah. a little when lesson the, that he's never When spoken. the tree grows tall, the clouds don't fall. <laughs> all, all right, Mr. Leaf and Jiminy Cricket. Let's, the roots go deep unless you dig them. Let's get down to the country fair. And in friends case, don't let friends ford the river. Friends don't let friends. Um, what do they let friends do? Friends don't let friends drink and drive. Yeah. Okay. This is this maybe is that's the how we should end technically, but it's like a serious. Maybe we gun. should end every episode with friends don't let friends drink and drive, <laughs> and just hold that silence. And then there's 20 seconds of silent recording, <laughs> and then it stops. One of us has to sneeze each time. And in case I hit another one, and in case I don't see you, goodbye forever. I'm devastated. We'll never see each other again. What happened? How did we let the year slip by in this way? What about um, a bit long? Um, and for all we know, this could be the last episode. So, yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's it. Thank you, thank you for everything. Uh, keep it tight. Left is right. <laughs> Fuck Jeff Bezos and good night. It's good. I'm not saying we have to do any Part of these, of but these are just my worried about our hatred of Jeff Bezos because he didn't die in space. That he we know still of. owns Amazon. Yeah. So, if you... the podcast takes off, Sam. Yeah. And we get our own um, Amazon original. Um, Prime TV series, mm, yeah, which is yeah, ba- yeah, based then? on the podcast, yeah, yeah, what it's just ha- a TV show about then? us doing this and and like the, on Jeff and the dramas and stuff that go on around the recording schedule. Yep, exactly. Yeah, what happens then? Does is Jeff okay with all of the stuff we've done in the back catalogue? Look, I'll say this: I am when it comes to me and the richest man on the planet and his media empire, in terms of how I imagine my future going, I'm quite happy to burn that bridge. <laughs> Don't want anything to do. We're not going to be on Amazon, are We're going to be, we're, we're, we're podcasters. We're the, we're the guerrilla warriors of media. We're out here on the dark web. Speaking the, <laughs> speaking the truth directly to the people. We don't go through a corporation like that full of, Full of yes, yes men and no women. That worked. <laughs> that really did work. Has no one ever said that before? That's a good I line. Think someone may have said it before. Damn. But well, if they haven't, that could be our TM. Final. What? what? <laughs> Thank you. This Thank- podcast is full of yes men and no women. <laughs> well, that's probably truer than we'd like. Statistically, that is how this works. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's just our, I mean, we haven't done a poll, but that's our guess. <laughs> I mean. Except for all the ladies who definitely listen to us and our sultry voices. Well, I imagine there's a lot of women out there into Daniel Craig and Brenton Thwaites. So we're, we're actually, this is actually a cultural exchange where we're trying to bridge 
the divide between their female audiences and their male audiences. Exactly. And we're trying to normalize Brenton Thwaites' appreciation. Which it should be a normal thing. Amongst the bros. Like, it should, so. be, it should be more normal for bros to get together and talk about how much they love Brenton Thwaites. It should be normal for in bros just to like get a chill, talk about how much they love anything. In just like a chill way, you know? Yeah. And even if, even if some of the things he's in you don't love... And will... Um, and may like critique... Make an, a conscious effort to never watch again... It's it's it that doesn't dim your appreciation of the Brenton you got in it. Of course not. No. Or of Brenton as a whole, or as a of a Brenton even as if, a human. Yeah, yeah. Even if you really, really struggled with parts of it. Even if you, if, you could say that um, you detest it as a whole. It's not to say that. There's not some great work. Here's what I've learned, Isaac, from doing this podcast, which is that when you watch a, uh, an actor's entire oeuvre, body of work, there'll be some things in it that you're not a fan of, and that's obviously fine. But the, your exactly. least favourite thing... Many things in the Daniel Craig podcast. Your least favourite thing that they're in, someone out there loves it unironically, unapologetically, and will be devastated that you don't like it. That was the case with Daniel Craig. Got a lot of pushback for our critiques of Flashbacks of a Fool. People <laughs> love that movie. And I wonder if that will be the case here. Because today we're talking about 2014's Ride, Ooh. written, d- directed by, and starring Helen Hunt with Brenton Thwaites. Written, directed, and starring 90s. Helen Hunt. No. <laughs> you, the, you remember Helen Hunt from such great films like, as like tel- the 90s? The, the 90s. <laughs> Mostly like weather-related action films, I feel. How good is Twister? We watched it not that long ago, and for a film where the, for, for a film where the bad guys wind, it does amazingly well. <laughs> it holds up. Yeah. Ride is a surf movie. Technically. I, I guess. And it's it stars technically a surfing movie. And it's the first, it's the second movie Helen Hunt has directed. It's the first one she wrote, which I could have told you. And it's star- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so and it stars Helen Hunt, Luke Wilson, Brenton Thwaites, and that creepy guy from Prison Break, and some others. But I think those are the only really. Oh, and is, and I would say it also stars David Zayas, who plays Ramon. Yes, even though he's not listed at the top here, and it, it, had, a li- it had a limited release in theaters. It's an independent movie. And Isaac, did you like this film? No. Yeah, I didn't really. I didn't really like it either. And it's hard. To, and 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 that hurts because it's a Brenton Thwaites. It's a starring role for our boy I Brenton was Thwaites. So excited and that Brenton Thwaites was in a movie. Made by Helen Hunt. The poster is Helen Hunt and Brenton Thwaites, same size, looking at each other. Mm-hmm. So it tells you this is sort of a two-hander movie starring Helen, Helen Hunt and Brenton Thwaites. So and once again, there's nothing wrong with anything that Brenton does. <laughs> nothing, yes, to, to start, nothing wrong with anything Brenton does. I try to understand more about this film 
by why by because I just like it 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 demands explanation. It, it doesn't. I think and, it gives you explanation. And I because and I thought this is clearly Helen Hunt's fault. And I so I wanted to understand you're, more. And I don't know much about Helen Hunt. I'll be honest with you. I know there was Twister that time, and I'm pretty sure she won an Oscar at another time. And very good for her. I'm sure she's very talented. But this is clearly such a product of her mind that I felt I just needed to understand more about why and what what was the intention? What was the driving force behind what, this? Yes, what was the intention? Um, and there's a couple of interviews with her online. Some of them very long. But she's doing an interview in front of an audience at the at at ninety second Y in New York, which is like a film in front of like a, a room film aficionados talking yeah. about this film. This film. This film. It's like so okay, she was so happy we. With the it's like okay, so we all just watched Ride. And now we're going to interview Helen Hunt for the better part of an hour, and then the audience will ask questions. And all Did I'll they all leave? <laughs> all I'll say about the con- the con- that cultural context is the interviewer says montage with an accent. Montage. Oh, he says that. Well, yeah, she says. So did the people in this interview? So that I'll just um, let that be emblematic of the kind of. Okay. The kind of culture in which in which that that was occurring. So interestingly, she said that Brenton was very much not the way the character was written. She'd written because which makes sense. So Brent, Brent, okay. Helen Hunt is, I guess, a book editor that lives in New York with her son, who's Brenton, who's about twenty years old, and they live in an apartment together in New in New York. And he wants to be a writer. And he's writing a, I presume, novella, a short book, because he sends it out on its own to be published. And it opens with them arguing about how the how the book should end. And she's being a very harsh critic of his work. And he is... It opens with her sitting on the floor in front of his room when he's a child... And she's fully leaning against the door, reading a book. And then the child opens the door to come out and she gets the pillow and runs away. So he didn't see her, even though he's just opened the door that she was leaning on. The child doesn't see her. And then she goes in the other room. And then we watch the child urinate, which is the first of several pissing scenes in this film. And then (laughs) he comes back in and she sits back in front of the door. This is presumably setting up this is the only thing that sets up is the fact that she is a very overbearing parent, which is the which is just which is something that occurs in every scene. So doesn't it also does not change and doesn't change and doesn't give us anything that we need. It's not so a that's how it starts. That needs to be overtly suggested. That can be that can come across through performance. Yeah, it doesn't need to be part of the. But at least we get immediate Brenton, which is good, and he's and he's holding his own in this very dialogue-heavy scene with with Helen Hunt, and they're talking about the ending the book should be, and they say the ending should be surprising and inevitable, which is good. It is a very dialogue-heavy scene, but I think from from the get-go, the dialogue in the film is terrible. It is. It is pretty not natural from something. It's not written by an actor. Well, Someone who says words for a living. Well, I don't understand. Sometimes you watch a movie and you, it's like when they say a movie sounds like it was written by an alien. You think like, the person who wrote this, they t- 
talk, don't they? You would think so. They know how people, people talk. This feels like a court-ordered film. It like a feels, video. It feels like someone had to make a film as their community service. And they really didn't want to. <laughs> and so this is what they've been sort of forced to do. Anyway, so she's... He's what is it? She's helping him, but not in a way that he needs, and he and a and whatever. Then so then, so then it's a little bit of montage. She's walking on a treadmill. She's editing at the same time. He he tries to go surfing, but he can't because the beach is closed and full of sewerage. A return of the sort of scatological theme of the film, and yeah. so then he's going to go to NYU, but the room is is really is really shitty. And then they go out for lunch. There's a girl at this lunch. Who who was that? I don't know. Okay. It I, I initially I thought this was a sister because there was the no, dynamic was there for it to be a sister. The dynamic was sister, but then I think that might have also meant to have been his girlfriend. But she halfway through the lunch, Brenton and his mum walk out, and that girl is not mentioned again. No. Or referred or to. to so I'm not actually sure who that is meant to be. Maybe it's <laughs> just there they at lunch at somebody else's table. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but And they're just continuing to argue about the fact that she's edited his, his work so intensely. And then she says, you're going away to college. And Brenton walks the 80 steps with her all the way back to the... You know. Here's the thing. <laughs> he wants to demonstrate to her how close how he's not going very far away to go to university, right? Okay, so here's the problem with this bit, which is A, it's like 80 steps, which is quite, it's not far to go away to university. It is far to walk away from lunch, where you've left someone that you were having lunch with and you now are meant to go back. And also, to demonstrate that it's 80 steps, it's that's 80 steps from the restaurant, not your house. I think... I think it's supposed to be that they live near the restaurant. I guess, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like across the road or whatever it is. But yes, it's a strange thing to do. To, like you, that's just something you can do mm. with dialogue. So the point so so what we've established here is she is overbearing and she she is overbearing and controlling of his life, but he is also seeking her out continually to edit his work. He wants her in his life to help him be better at writing whilst also finding her very overbearing. And he wants to leave. He's up. He's obviously conflicted about the fact that he's going to college just like a block away from their house. It's not suggested enough that he wants to leave because it's not he, suggested it's at all. It's suggested that um, he's seeking out her advice but only because this is the way he has always lived his life, that she says she gives what we can term as advice to everything he does. So she's critiqued his book. She's mm. an overbearing mother. And then he decides to go to LA. Well, the thing is they have, it's, she's established as overbearing. Then they go home together and they watch an old movie together. And they, Artistic. And they have a very, very unusual sort of, like almost like roommate relationship, but they're having snacks, they're having drinks, they're laughing and smiling, enjoying this movie together, and they fall asleep together on the couch and they sleep there all night. 
So just establishing how, so in that way, establishing how great their relationship is and how much do they enjoy each other's company. Seemingly, or maybe to the, it's to the point they where they're like almost couple-like. Yeah. And like, like there's, like, like if you, I'm sorry, you live in New York, you're a 20-year-old guy, you live with your mum who you're pretty annoyed with and you find very overbearing. You don't choose to spend the evening at home with her watching Son of Frankenstein or whatever it is. You're out with your bros or whoever being a tortured writer and on, on yeah, the if town. You, if you grew up in New York, with the, you would have friends. At least in the context of this movie, we shouldn't be seeing them getting along at this moment. Well, not for what comes after. Because it makes no, no sense. Also, the, comes after. the next entry in the, the two recurring themes of this movie, which is people pissing <laughs> and people falling asleep very unbelievably. At the beginning, she is asleep, sitting bolt upright against that door. Mm-hmm. Is it implied she's there every night of her life? I don't know. And in this one, they both fall asleep in pretty unbelievable positions on the sofa. So, and like, like not like for a while, like the sun comes up and they're <laughs> both still there. Um, and then he leaves to see his dad in California. And she is judgmental about how shitty California is and how there's nothing to do there. Like, famously, there's nothing to do in L.A.? Really? Yeah. I mean, I know what they mean. Like, she's like she's being judgmental because she's from New York and there's that sort of inter-coastal conflict. Um, and she says, um, yeah, your, your dad is sweet until things go wrong and then he's not around. Like, oh, I wonder what sort of character this dad is going to turn out to be in this film. You reckon we'll get to find out? As he's, this part really, I found very, very weird. He's getting onto the plane. In the course of him getting onto the plane, him and his mom start having a text conversation. That is spoken out loud. The texts are also spoken out loud by the actors. And this conversation is very long, during which she says she has, she has plans. And the son is basically saying, oh, does that mean you're having sex with somebody? And then is basically saying, you know... Um, I I don't. It's probably been like five years since you had plans. It's weird that you haven't. Basically, saying to his mom, it's weird you haven't had sex in this whole time. She was on the phone to him, then Google's the meaning of asexual, <laughs> and, was, and and that comes up never. That again doesn't that doesn't come up again either. But <laughs> then we're establishing that she's in her editor's office and it's very busy there. And then his plane takes off and they sort of lose reception. There's lots of bits in this where I couldn't tell you why it's there. So much. Because does she struggle when she has a sexual relationship later in the film? No. she She's brilliant at it. And there's no conflict around it at all. Is she, it awkward as fuck? Yes. It's for, uh, for us as the audience. <laughs> but I don't think it is for them as the characters who behave and progress through this relationship in a... In a sinister way. The, the, the series of steps that that relationship goes through is like, it's, 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 it's like it's been written by an artificial intelligence. Uh-huh. You, know, the, when the, you know when they show art that an AI is made? And you're like, I see what you're doing, like but this a, feels non-human. When, when they make some, like a bot watch however many hours of something yeah. and then write something, you're like, yeah, that's how that would work, but... Yeah, 
Yeah, like, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Then there's a montage of she's her, her, she's in New York. She's getting takeout and living, you know, a kind of uh, cerebral industrial life. But he's having a montage at the beach with his dad, his dad's new partner, and their daughter, mm-hmm. and it's and they're having a beautiful time. And this is obviously manifestly all much better than the physical and emotional environment he has come from. Yeah, which is I think nice because L.A has a different feel than New York. It does. But New York is pretty irredeemable in the way it's presented. Exactly. And uh, good to, obviously good to get Brenton back in the ocean where he belongs. <laughs> yet, yet another he movie with some, some Brenton in the... No, he's not. Hang on, young Aquaman did look exactly like Brenton. <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but he, it's not He Brenton. should definitely be in the Aquaverse. Uh, there are characters in the Atlantean DCs. Well, actually, actually, that's a possible Marvel. Po- oh, okay, we'll get to that at some point. A Marvel character for Brenton? A Marvel character for Brenton. All right, remember it. Well, what are they called? Hey? Well, he could be part of the Atlanteans with Namor, who are about to come in in the next Black Panther movie. It's rumored. Oh, yeah, it's yes. It's rumored that the Atlanteans, which would allow are they Brenton to Are just Atlanteans to as well? Yeah, Marvel has a version of Atlantis and DC has a version of Atlantis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I Absolutely. I prefer Marvels. Brenton's gotta be kind of outdoorsy. I prefer Marvels everything. He does have to yeah. be kind of outdoorsy. But then there are several like celestial heroes that Brenton would be suited for. For yeah, when he, he could... inevitably joins the Marvel universe. Yeah. And he doesn't do a Jai Courtney and just ruin all chances of doing that. <laughs> He doesn't go. He, I, he doesn't. Well, I guess obviously he does in Titans, but just walking around as a guy as a, and a superhero. I don't know. Yeah, I think he needs to be outdoorsy or celestial. Mm. But then, oh, and then, oh, and also make him cheerful, please. Don't don't make him brooding and grim. He needs to have. We've had plenty the, of brooding light, and grim. The light and happiness that Spider Man brings to a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 I want. Which him, is like Dick Grayson. Is a great Very character, brilliant. but not a character that has a lot of light and shade. It's a lot of shade and darker shade. Yeah, 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 a lot. Yeah, still great. We're, we're talking about a different film, though. Gray, gray, and blue. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep, yep. No, got him. Um, but yeah, yeah, great to have Brenton surfing. I'm surprised he didn't fashion a surfboard in Blue Lagoon. To be honest with you. Just... <laughs> This is out of out of shells that he'd found. Um, um, that's also some of the only surfing that any actual character in the film does in a film that's about he'd, surfing. Yeah, he'd, the we get to see him do a bit more surfing. Brenton surfing, and the moments Brenton surfs are the only times Mate, really. We're going to talk about the fucking surfing. <laughs> she she calls, and he hasn't answered his phone in five days. Imagine, imagine five days. Oh. Well, yeah, Such they, a long time. How much they do or don't talk is very hard to keep track of because yep. they talk. They talk all day, every day. When he lives in New York, and then they are just they in text each other's pockets constantly while he's in transit. They text ten times as he's getting on the plane. Then he like so. If you didn't answer your phone for five days, that's an insane amount of time. They also and and then the so now the dad is there. Mm-hmm. The dad of. I suppose our main character. Yeah. Well, no. Whether who the main who the protagonist is, well, no. 
I don't feel like Helen Hunt really likes it any time anyone other than her is on screen. Because <laughs> you're not given enough. I don't. The th- only time the only time Brenton gets a lot of anything to do is when Helen Hunt is also in the scene. Yep, Brenton is not actually allowed to have a relationship with any character other than Helen Hunt. Sometimes he talks to other humans on screen, mm-hmm. but that is not allowed to develop into any kind of interaction that lets him sort of develop emotionally. Yep. He talks to other characters mostly in ways that reveal stuff about Helen Hunt. Yep. Like he sees his guru character, but like that's it. And that only comes back to burn him and prove Helen Hunt right about everything. <laughs> And he talks to a female, an unnamed female friend on the beach mm-hmm. about the plot device. And, but the plot device only exists to explain more about Helen Hunt's behavior and also try to be exculpatory about her absolutely heinous character. Mm-hmm. Helen Hunt behaves abhorrently throughout this film and i think the core of my problem is i don't think helen hunt realizes how terrible the character is being i also think that helen hunt believes that this is actually a comedy yes strongly believes that this is a comedy and it's not funny no it's not funny it's it has it's not funny even the moments that are overtly supposed to be funny like when she's, this is the international signal for SOS, and then he, oh mate, and then she does that oh mate, I'll, to be like, yep, the is bre- that, how the, is that funny? The f- this film has two jokes, and joke one is it's it can be hard to put a wetsuit on. Yep, and the other one is sometimes in the water you fall over. That was a dolphin laugh. And those are the yeah, that was, <laughs> and those are those are the, the it's just that over and over again. Mm-hmm. But and, also, and I don't know if Helen Hunt knows this. It's really not that hard to put a wetsuit. It's on. not that hard. You just like roll it down a little bit and you step into the right location and pull it up. Yeah, and I mean, even if it's a little bit hard, you're not getting as much comedic juice out of it as the editing of this would imply. <laughs> It goes on for so long. Um, anyway, the dad is now technically on screen. Yeah. After a while, I started to realize, oh, is that a, is that Brenton's father in the background of this? He's like not. He's not named. I think they say his name is Peter once, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do There's or no, say anything. He's not. He 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 means nothing to the story. No. Brenton could have been staying at a mate's place in LA. Could have been staying at a mate's place. It doesn't have to be the dad. It's the dad and his the beautiful partner and daughter. The partner is now pregnant as well, so they are just like moving on. And we might as well get to it. The it is revealed like pretty much exactly halfway through this movie. Mm-hmm. I say revealed. It's just said it's mentioned. It's said that Brent that Brenton had a brother. Helen Hunt's other son who died when he was a baby. The conversation that rev- that, techni- that quote-unquote reveals that is... Oh, we'll, we'll, the- we'll get to it. Okay. We'll, we'll, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brenton. I'm really sorry. Okay? It's not Brenton. This, none of this is you or your fault. It's not. But if Somebody I have... Somebody wrote this film and that was Helen Hunt. I'd, I feel 
my sense of right and wrong is a play here where I feel <laughs> the you've need. Been, you've been done wrong. I've been. There's, there's a degree in the in the in the writing and directing of this film. There is a degree of moral and psychological complacency <laughs> that I think is a a a harmful force in the world. And so that's why I feel the need to call it out. The de- so and so 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 when you know that, you now you've got a man and a woman and their two sons. One of the sons dies. The other son grows up mainly with the mum who uh-huh. becomes oppressively overbearing on him. And then that son goes to stay with the dad in California where he feels more comfortable. Yep. How in that story is that dad not a main character? Correct. This dad is who also lost a son. This dad who whose child also died. Yeah. Helen Hunt does not allow, she barely allows him into frame. There's one moment at the, well, toward the end of the film where the dad gets a single, like, moment of character clarity and that that is, I guess, supposed to um, reflect why he's moved on so calmly and stuff. And that in the, in the, in the confrontation when they're yelling about, oh, quote-unquote yelling about oh, it, mate. the dad um, said... I had him and points at Brenton. So the dad's understanding of the whole situation of how the younger brother died is I told you, yeah. Alan Hunt, that right. I was looking after Brenton. You had the other son. So, so it's all her fault. So it's all her fault. Well, And whatever. the dad understands this and okay. has moved on with well, his life. Well, sh- fine, but you can't just do that in one line. You can't. In that he needs one to fight. be a character. Anyway, um... So she finds out that, so she then she Brenton tells her that he has dropped out of NYU and is staying in LA because he hates New York mm-hmm. via email, which is done as voiceover. <laughs> yep, you can't and, do that on a phone call. Um, and look, I look. It's an independent film. It it should be acknowledged. It was an independent and to shoot an independent movie like this with so much stuff in the water would have been very difficult. And a lot of the water photography is fine and great. The shots of people surfing, nothing wrong with that. And mm-hmm. it would have been difficult to film this in the amount of time they had. So I presume a bunch of this stuff must be stuff they're picking up in voiceover and stuff because they kind of realized there were some missing pieces. That's what I'm going to assume because that's yep. the only reason I can think you would do it that way. So she packs and she follows him to LA. Her entire life, her entire identity, based around her career and and her and her position as an artistic intellectual editor. Um, she immediately drops and comes to see him in in Los Angeles. Ramon, who's the limo driver, picks her up at the airport. And she proceeds to take over this man's entire life. I don't know what employment contract he is on, but she makes him drive to the house where Brenton is staying with his father. And rather than go in, they both sleep in the car outside the house. She once again... And she doesn't. She's not even like she lying. Lay on the back. She seat. doesn't lay on the back seat. She's just got her forehead pressed against the w- the window, uh-huh. 
in a position that I'm pretty sure you can't go like completely limp in because <laughs> you will fall. So yeah. just a return to our theme of people sleeping in incredible places. Um, oh, this is the bit where there's a, a wolf. Do you remember that? Oh, the coyote. <laughs> a coyote comes out. Yeah. And, um, and it says, he says, yeah they, yeah, they come down from the hills because they get thirsty. And it really lingers on this coyote as it wanders and around. And she's terrified of it for some reason. And then it wanders off. And we really stay with that. You know, because it's meaningful. I guess maybe she's... No, because see, it can't... Be... See, the film wouldn't allow that she's thirsty for something. Because then it means that she needs something that she doesn't have. It, it's it's sort of like it's, it creates a character who is like pretty much wrong about almost everything and is terrible at ad- even addressing that. But also at a more fundamental level, their just way of approaching the world is whilst it, it, she's, she's presented as someone who, while she clearly has, a, has a flaws in her ability to emote and connect with her son, there's a fundamental level of validity to the way she approaches the world. Uh-huh. Like, I think we as the audience meant to be saying, well, you know, this woman's obviously very good at her job and very effective and clearly very funny and clearly very intelligent and clearly very sort of sharp and kind of insightful in a lot of the things she says about the world and the kind of references she's able to make. And it's but it's only when she comes to this different environment that some of like some of her maybe her blind spots are kind of made more apparent to her. And so it's great that in response to viewing that, she's able to level up yet again in her life and without changing really much about the way she engages with the world, become really good at the one thing her son said she could never do, so prove him wrong. And and become slightly capable is what it turns out to be. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then, kind of move move on from that. So that there's not a. Whereas watching it, I felt like, oh no, you're actually, you're a terrible person. And you're talking to him in a way that is, like, not just him, but everyone else you meet in the course of this film, like pretty she reprehensible. She treats the driver like shit. She treats him like absolute shit as though paying him means he's a slave like the moment the the like the second day they spend together he's like i can only work until this amount of time yeah, because i have I to go to, pick up my kids i she have goes, to cool. go pick up my kids all of them he, she goes cool i'll see you when you get back i'm like no and and you know what and there's no conclusion to that he just disappears from the film at a certain point so none of that is subject to critique that this just imposition of your life onto a service worker that's not that's not a problem that's one of the kooky things she does because she's a high powerful person oh you're so kooky um so then they so then they start stalking brenton um they follow him down to the beach and he goes surfing the toilets are closed and so she sneaks onto the beach. There's, the, the other recurring theme is shots of her wearing heels in California, which I presume no one ever does. She doesn't even take I the heels Helen off to go... Hunt presumes no one does it. She doesn't even have to take her heels off to go, to go onto the beach to piss in full view of the pier. I don't know if 
if people listening have ever been to Venice Beach, at any time of the day, there are hundreds of people. She goes... She goes past the toilets. She goes... Well, to the, some rocks. She goes behind the rocks, right? But the rock only obscures her from, the f- from where the camera is. <laughs> In shot, on the other side of the rock, are loads of people on the pier. Fucking Santa Monica Pier. And the rest of the beach. Mm-hmm. And also, why is this happening? Because <laughs> she and needed why to, are to we, pee. Because this, this, this is the wa- first time she gets here as well. Because she gets, she he drives her to the beach. Like they follow her son, and she goes, "Okay, now take me to the to the ladies' room." Yeah, and he's like, "Well, that one's it's closed." Closed. It's like, well, and she's like, "Well, is that well okay?" Like, I can't. Why would her character go to that? Wouldn't her character say, "Okay, well, can we go somewhere else where there is a toilet?" Because I'm yes. If she's a high-powered New York socialite businesswoman. She would use a. She would. This. This is the, the long, comedy element would come from her having to use a shitty toilet. I'm sorry, but crouching behind rocks to piss on a public beach—that's a last resort for people who are homeless. <laughs> yeah. Most people who are homeless will put quite a bit of effort into just finding a public bathroom, even if they have to walk up the road a bit. Yeah. No one would do this. <laughs> Well, and then she walks onto the pier and she watches Brenton surfing and her sunglasses fall off and into the water. And she yells for quite a while about how annoyed she is that she lost her sunglasses. Why? Why is this in the film? <laughs> um, because she dropped her sunglasses. I thought Brenton was going to notice them and that's when they're oh, going to yeah. start talking. I'm like, oh, hey, I got you, mum. But yeah, he doesn't. No. No. Instead, after that, they follow her again. He tells he she insists on the limo driving inches from Brenton's car. Isn't she worried about him seeing them or getting caught? And then, so then they crash into them. She gets out of the car. <laughs> Brenton gets out. He's angry. He's been rear-ended. He realizes it's her, yeah. and she immediately, there's immediately, she's like, "Don't act like I'm I'm the only crazy one." <laughs> She's also nowhere before now has she told um, uh, the driver that that's her son. Yeah, that's a good point. They just They're assuming this house, knows. She's watching. Okay, follow that guy. He says many great writers didn't believe in academia, and she says name three. First of all, now she, as a professional fiction editor is claiming that the only way to be good at writing fiction is to learn it in university. Yeah. Which seems like a pretty absurd claim when you just have any, just any any knowledge of great fiction writers. And if she is so devoted to university as a way to learn how to write fiction, why would she then also be so dismissive of the prospect of being taught how to surf? Just anyway, she says she says name three, and he says Hemingway, Vidal, and then she cuts him off to say that's two. I'm like <laughs> you, you didn't even give him. Yeah, it didn't show him fail to think of a third one. She just says that's two straight away, and that's and but that's shown in the scene as her winning. Mm-hmm. It's shown as in the scene as her being right. 
but it doesn't show Brenton failing to think of a third writer. So you see how I feel like the film in its in its editing and direction feels like it's on her side the whole time. Well, I think because she she's she is making all of these decisions. Yeah. And then so it, sometimes it's quite have subtle. The ability to detach from, but it's, yeah, that's me performing, but it's not me. It's a character. Yeah, to, she. It's not serving the story in any way, shape, or form. Even though she's written it, it it could you could direct it in such a way that it makes sense and actually is maybe funny. He tells her she could never surf. Oh. How did he get so into surfing? Doesn't he live in New York? No, but he loves surfing. He's let's assume he's visited his father several times before. That's what I yeah, I would assume. In which case, why is it such a big deal he's going now? Yeah, why did she make a big deal about like it? Like it's months before university starts. It's perfectly natural for someone to go on a holiday while they have time before they get into a massive amount of studying. Yeah. Anyway. He says you could never surf, and that is a red rag to a ball for her. <sighs> she immediately tries to go into the ocean and falls over a lot. Then she spends a long time trying to put on a wet wetsuit. She goes back down to the beach. Ram, she makes Ramon come with her. He's now just like her bodyguard servant, which is, you know, that's how that relationship often plays out and definitely can structurally. It's not like there's... Anyway. So Ramon tries to protect her safety on the beach and she insults his intelligence by pointing out a word he used that was wrong. And actually says, oh my God, in exasperation at him as he tries to protect her from drowning. Yeah. Which is way beyond the requirements of his role, but he's just doing it because he's a nice person. Still full, full suit. A niceness for which he will never be rewarded. <laughs> she pays the childhood to get the surfboard out past the first waves in order to like get to the big waves. Well, yeah, in order to get to the part where she doesn't have to do that bit. Yeah. She said, um, I can do the rest of it. Yeah. And now look, I don't know anything about surfing, right? So I think it kind of says later, like getting in and out is the most dangerous part. So it there is something to, several times later. to getting, there is something to getting out past the first waves to the point where it's more safe, maybe. I don't know. But I feel like that should have been explained to me by the film. The, the, prob- the other problem with this scene is there are manifestly no waves on that ocean. She just struggles. She can't get out there. And even if she does get out there, what are you surfing on, mate? It is a, <laughs> it's a flat ocean. that you. And I understand that's what you had to film in, but no one, no one brings that up at any point. And so then, then she's, she, she gets out into the water with this child and she says, and then she says, how much shall I pay you for doing this? She says, 30. Then she tries to mime back to Ramon to give him $30. Where So does she want Ramon to give him 30 of his dollars? Yeah. Or does she want him to go to her bag back in the car and give this child $30? It makes no sense. That's the kind of scene and, you do if you've known Ramon and Ramon is your personal assistant from back at work. If this is a comedy film... Yeah, why couldn't it have just been that? brought his, her personal assistant who tends to her... That's where comedy could come in from that sort of thing where yeah. signals are crossed. Not just a complete stranger you met today. Rayma, she tries to mime 30 and she holds up three and zero. And then she realizes she's doing that on the wrong hands. And instead, I'm, to anyone who hasn't seen it, if there is anyone, I swear this is what happens. 
she holds up three and zero. She realizes she's got it the wrong way round to spell 30. And instead of changing her fingers, she crosses her arms over, mm-hmm. which no human has ever done in the history of time. <laughs> this film depicts many things. It depicts humans. It's an interesting art anthropological artifact because it depicts humans doing things they've never done in any other context and Ramon interprets that as the danger signal that she needs help uh-huh. and so he screams to everyone else for help because he's a good guy and he's just trying to get he through does. this. He runs halfway in but he realises he can't get out there in a full suit so he's calling for help. And Luke Wilson, Luke Wilson bloody just swoops in. happens to be there in a full wetsuit because he's been surfing on little, these massive waves. A little bit, yeah. Catching a break. Yeah. You know, Luke, and, and, he, and he is a bloody breath of fresh air for for what he can do with, the, yeah. with in such a Helen Hunt heavy film. <laughs> oh, it is. And he and he and he saves her. So so once again, yeah, he saves her from so the Wilk, she wasn't. So yeah, so very importantly, Wilk Lucen the Wilk, Wilk Lucen comes in. <laughs> I like that. Wilk, old Wilk Lucen, <laughs> the competent surfer. Comes in and saves her very specifically, though, at a time when she doesn't need saving. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So obviously. the character doesn't actually need help. Let that. It was just a misunderstanding for So, purpose. so her her foolishness doesn't actually put her into real danger. It's not that much of a problem. This it's just you know we we happen to meet Luke Wilson. You know what? There was one funny line. She said that I that I did smile at, and I, it was the kind of thing that I could thought they should have been getting to more, but. Um, when she says when she's first going in and Ramon is there, it's like, no, I think it's going to be fine. I really think I'm going to be better than average at intuiting how to do this. <laughs> uh, that's that's good. That's like a good like thing, a crazy. It's sort of like what she's doing is crazy, but so saying it that specifically, like, I think I'm going to be better at, than average at intuiting how to surf. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a really pretentious and stupid thing for somebody to say. Yeah, I know. But if, but, and and if, if she was the coded... The film doesn't treat her pretentious stupidness as though it's a flaw. No, if she was coded as a pretentious character, that would be fine. Yeah. But like she yeah, she doesn't really pay any price price for that. Like all the solutions to her problems sort of fall into her lap, basically, quite literally, with Luke Wilson. Anyway. Then then Brenton is watching people surf mm-hmm. and the one guy does that thing where you stand at the front of your surfboard. Yeah. And Brenton he's there by himself and he turns to someone who we don't know, who's not in focus, <laughs> and says, I want to surf like that, and then looks back out. Sorry, is this a scene? <laughs> That's is this, comedy. Is this a scene in a film, what you're trying to show us here? Because you probably need to establish the fact that Brendan has some friends and who they are, yeah. and have him engage in a conversation with them about surfing. Also, by the way, he never does surf like that, and his desire to surf in particular ways is never mentioned again. Uh-huh. Just thought I'd put, put that on the table. Um, then suddenly, like, his group of friends are on screen. We don't know any of their names, anything about them. They just sort of, like, buzz around, and it just sort of, like, alludes to the fact that he has a social life here. Uh, but it didn't ever established that he didn't have a social life in New York. So there's no way in which this is better or even different from that because yep. you didn't under, you don't see there. And at the end of the film, he has, he has friends in New York and seems to be having a roughly similar social situation with them. So there's no sort of narrative importance to this group. 
Helen Hunt continues to aggressively text him about Gore Vidal and Hemingway, and now he's nothing like them. Just like based on biographical facts, like he these people fought he in a should, war because they lived at a time when a war was on. Yeah, he should go to he should go to NYU because he can't write like Hemingway because Hemingway was in World War One. Like, just the shittiest things anyone could ever say. Like, and this person works in fiction. <laughs> That's when she forces Ramon to come back and pick her up again with his kids. Yeah. Um, she turns up to a lesson with Luke Wilson. They didn't actually discuss him teaching her. It doesn't happen on screen. No, Ramon mentions it, but just, they don't talk about just it. Just cut to lesson. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, I guess that was obviously where this was going, mm-hmm. but whatever. And Luke Wilson's little monologues are okay about you putting Luke an ever-changing Wilson object. Luke does well delivering stupid lines. In an inanimate object, going over an ever-changing environment. Like, yeah, that's okay. I mean, none of that pays off in any way. Like, she doesn't actually have to inter- inter- integrate that knowledge or use it explicitly at any time yeah. it's just kind of surfy things he's saying um he he they're out in the water and she won't even do what he says to turn her board around at the point when she won't paddle her legs in the way you do it to turn your board around did it make any sense to anybody why she wouldn't do that this is this is like like she, at this point like this is she like she has a personality disorder this character this character is like mentally unwell the fact that they cannot do the smallest thing that someone else has told them to do and fine there can be characters in films with personality disorders just not like the lead of your comedy drama who yep. doesn't change much by the end of the film i know she's meant to because she decides to stay in la but that is more like it's more incoherent than anything else as far as i'm concerned make, it doesn't make sense that she decides to stay there by what goes on in the film brenton talks to the wise old guy at the cafe um he says i work to live not the other way around that's something a character unironically says in this film mm-hmm. and in a, in a way that like as it seemingly with no awareness that that's a massive cliche that people have been saying for a long time <laughs> Like, what do you mean? It's so cool. Brenton says, like, I'm I'm struggling to write here. Like, how do you write basically when it's so nice outside? Yeah, I have to sit in a dark room. I didn't know that was his conflict at all. No, we're not allowed to see his At conflict. no point in LA does he write or try to write. Yeah, we don't see him struggle. He just mentions it. Also, the thing he's written is finished as far as he's concerned. Yeah, he's just working on the ending. And he's just... Well, yeah, but also he's written an ending and because mm. he sent it out to a publisher. Mm-hmm. It's just that she doesn't like the ending. So what his like goals are are never actually made explicit. And he never... So, so he, he sort of elects this... He elevates this guy to being his hero. He never asks to read any of his writing... No, or, he has no idea what this guy does for a living. And never, and, ne- and actually never has another actual conversation with him. He sees him in the distance later selling some weed and talks to unnamed friend girl about him. Mm-hmm. And then he sees him in the distance again stealing some money and ripping mad bongs in his ute. <laughs> they yeah. never actually engage. And they they maybe they... W- was this guy just not on set at the same time? But they, they actually have one conversation to the point where I thought, oh, that was just a weird conversation that happened. But then it's like, no, no, this is a relationship Brendan's character has and it's affecting him, as you can tell, when because he, he looks at him ripping mad bongs and it's like, oh, maybe he isn't that cool. So 
the character who is validating Brenton's choices, the character who is a potential role model, even though he is like visually and just vibe-wise very similar to Brenton's actual father character yeah. in a way that's kind of confusing, even though Brenton already has the role model of his father as someone who lives in California and is clearly very fulfilled, he has this new mentor character of someone who looks the same uh, but is also a writer. He doesn't read any of his writing, but he's someone else who seems to validate that maybe this could be a good way that Brenton could live his life. And then without anything changing, we're just told, oh, by the way, he smokes a lot of weed. Sells drugs. And seems to also be poor because he stole this person's tip money. Yeah. So, and do you really want to be around like people who are like maybe poor and kind of do drugs? Like, I don't think so. Like, what... What the th- the mental leaps the film is asking you to make about these characters are just feel very like insulting and frankly bourgeois. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll say it just to you know the it's an it's it's a it's a film made by a rich white boomer lady. Yeah. And very much for that audience. And I could feel it expecting me to make the assumptions about characters that that demographic could might be expected to make in order to make up for lazy and inarticulate storytelling. Yes. And I felt, and I felt harmed and offended by that. You can't just show someone smoking weed, even selling weed, and not having a lot of money and let that translate into... This person is un- unfulfilled and has wasted their life and not someone that can provide any further value to you and not someone you should even talk to again on screen. Yeah. So that's that. Um, there's another day of Helen just getting nailed by waves. There's multiple montages of, of then- lots of shots of the stunt double just full face in shot. Like very much not held in hunt. <laughs> the shot tracks follows the stunt double for a while. I'm like, well, that's very just full on not held in hunt right there. Yeah. Anyway, um, then, then it's she, the halfway point of the movie. Then she comes off of the surfboard um, because Luke Wilson keeps saying, "Fall flat. It won't hurt as much. Don't fall face first. Don't jump off. You'll hurt yourself." He says this multiple times. To which she goes, well, he, he goes, why do women never just fall like they're supposed to when they're learning this? Which is a weird thing to say. That is a weird thing to say. And then she says, well, because they are weird smarter thing. than you, I guess, is what she gets at. And then she jumps off the board feet first, straight into a bloody sea urchin of some kind, and stabs her foot. Yeah. And well, well that's, there's a couple of things that happened before the okay. sea urchin bit. Okay. So... I mean, I forgive you if you're not remembering it all, but I did write it all down, <laughs> scene by scene. So, at the halfway point of the movie, that's when Brenton is talking to unnamed friend girl. Uh, uh, oh, mm-hmm. and that's when. Um, so, the, so the scene doesn't really start. It's just sort of in media res. They're there reading books. Oh no, she comes in and she's like, "Oh, you dropped out, and you're also reading a novel. What a surprising like combination Ooh. of characteristics." Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, once it's not been forced down your throat, you can sort of enjoy it a bit more. And like, okay, that line in and of itself is valid. Do you have any siblings? 
then he says he has two, and then he says he has one. And then this might be the best line. He says, I don't have a brother. I did, but I now don't. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brenton. I know this isn't your fault. But that's 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 pretty clunky, isn't it? Oh, that entire conversation is very clunky. Why is he telling this chick? We need to know why he's talking about this now. We haven't talked about it before. So this so now is now suddenly this is a movie also about grief and loss. Do you know how long ago this happened? I don't. It it also doesn't come up in the film. I realized after afterwards and like looking back through it, there's the scene earlier on where he opens a cupboard and kids' toys fall out. Yeah. I think that's meant to be it's she meant, hasn't like, no, 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 I'll get tidied up or something. Yeah. I thought those were just his Things toys or something. Yeah. But also, it's not weird to have kept the toys of your child that died. No. But also, does that fact that the sun's gone... Um, reflect um back is the first kid that walks out the door not brenton's character no i th- i thought it was meant to be that she's she's watching him very closely because she blames herself for the first i think also unnamed son unnamed. dying but um he's like four so was yeah there, was there if that so that means if the kid brenton? already happened that means we are now like 20 years since this yes. event which obviously there's no timeline on grief, but it's weird for that to be a central aspect of this particular storyline happening with her current son. Um, and if it is, then she needs to be written as someone whose life is structured around grief in a more tangible way other than just being an overbearing parent, which many people are without being exposed to this kind of terrible trauma. Yeah. In one of these interviews, she says that she wondered whether or not to leave that in, but she says she couldn't figure out the story without Jackie having gone through a tragedy like having Wait, lost a Jackie. child. Yeah. Helen Hunt's character. But the whole movie works without it. It do, it, do, it, it works, definitely works. It works up it. to that point. There's no there's oh. no mystery. You're not like wondering why the characters are behaving this way and then that gets revealed to us. Yeah. It's also weird from the get-go, even when they're having a good relationship with each other, he refers to her as Jackie. Yeah. That's weird as fuck. Yeah, why would you... He calls his mum by her first name. Yeah, why would you want to hold at arm's length someone who you also like watch black and white movies with and quote the lines back and forth? Yeah. Like that scene, I think is that scene alone is very destabilizing of the whole narrative. <laughs> the fact that they watch that movie together, um, but like the whole movie works up to that point. Without, if you take it out, the whole thing actually works way better. It's just a weird, confusing lead weight in if the you center. Take it out; it removes the awkward yelling at the end. Yeah, the yelling happens just because I feel like they feel like yelling needs to happen at that point. Yeah. I think Helen Hunt thinks yelling needs to happen at that point. But not every drama film has to have yelling in it. Yeah. 
So now she's been surfing for quite a while. We're into the second half of the movie and she's continued to not change at all. She's not reading the room. She's not contemplating what her son is doing and seeing any value in it such that she sets up a meeting with a publisher with her there Mm -hmm. and she can't at all piece together the fact that he wouldn't that he wouldn't want her there she's completely oblivious to it and when he criticizes her for this she laughs in his face (laughs) literally they also like like a disney villain she just laughs openly at him and can and still seemingly do, doesn't this doesn't work. this doesn't prompt any self-reflection for her but like okay. how shitty is it the way she treats the fucking publisher that she that's terrible as well like she's she's wasted his time uh-huh. completely and she just seemingly not only did she do this like horrible thing she had no capacity to anticipate that this would be his response to it which is a sociopathic degree of like lack of insight and can't sort of respond to it either there's more surfing we have still not had a scene between her and luke wilson outside of the ocean yes there's been no scene where they just talk and tell each other anything about themselves hasn't been established that she's paying him or that he is a surf teacher that's when she falls off and she lands on the sea urchin and gets spines in her leg Uh now this best comedy bit i guess this is so a funny part so this is a return to our theme of piss where now the now to get the tells her that um the spines have to stay in until your body assimilates them or like breaks them down because they're barbed down um but it's gonna hurt a lot Unless I piss on it. Yeah. And she's like, well, piss on it. And he can't go because mm. he doesn't need the toilet. So um, he's like, sing. And so she sings a song about peeing while mm. he pees on her foot. They are, they are in a public car park. So, yeah, so they don't go anywhere. No. They are again in the car park just, right no. by the way. There's people they everywhere. They don't find an actual lifeguard they have or the a door open. person. Nope. They just... Where they probably have like you know that vinegar solution or something that you probably pour on it. Probably. I like Um, I like I feel like I feel like the active ingredient in the piss is probably they probably have medical versions of that at a very like populated beach. Exists on this beach, they'd have an antidote for something. Um, Piss is on her foot eventually, and then. Well, does he? Immediately. All all I know is he's standing there, junk out, dick in hand. On this public beach, while she's singing a water song, and this I'm is sure what... I'm the sound effect of piss is in that moment. Uh, maybe it is. And then this is what tips them over. It, this is what causes the simmering sexual tension of their relationship <laughs> to finally overflow. Oh. It doesn't... It, in the text of the film, mm-hmm. he doesn't even put his dick away. Nope. It's hands straight up to her from dick to face <laughs> as they start making out. Either either he either it was the act of him trying to piss on her <laughs> that got them both in the mood and before he could get there they decided to make out or she actively has his piss on her now. <laughs> No, yes. While no, he does they're making it. Because later on, like in the next scene, 
it's mentioned. So he do, he does piss on her. He's pissed on her foot. They start making out. He struggles mm. to take the top of her wetsuit off during this moment while they're yeah. in the passionate throes with his junk probably hanging out the front of his wetsuit. Yeah. Um, and then he carries her back to her fancy hotel that they've called a fancy hotel. <sighs> yep. And can we and can we zoom in a little bit on this moment? This is what actually happens. Okay. <laughs> this is what this is. This is what they do. Imagine this. I'm nauseated by this because I can't imagine anything. It's the it's the it's the it's the suggestion of sexual, just energy, atmosphere, and ultimately sexual acts occurring in this sequence of events. So. Painful wound. In the middle of this, by the way, she te- her phone is broken or something, so she has to get Luke Wilson to text oh, Brenton, I'm injured, so that Brenton has to call Luke Wilson, and she tells him that she's got splinters in her... F- I can't figure out what she wanted Brenton to do, mm. or if this was a just a reason to talk to him, because she calls him all the time anyway. But it was such an... Such such a time-consuming extra element yeah. to add in. He tries to he he pisses or doesn't piss on her leg, whatever. They start making out while she's singing, and she can't rip her wetsuit off. She carries him. He carries her back to the hotel. Yeah. He showers while she sits on the toilet and watches him. Yeah. So she's not shown in the shower. He's just in the shower, mm-hmm. fully naked, soaping himself up, and they're kind of talking while she sits on the toilet and watches. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Th- then he cleans her foot and does more foot wound-related stuff. Yeah, important. Then they sleep next to each other in robes on top of the covers. Mm-hmm. Then I presume sex occurs at some point in the night mm-hmm. before they wake up together. In, in the, so, but the sleeping well, is first the, in think, the text of the film. I think in the text of the film that's supposed to be that they've had sex and now are sleeping because when they in make robes out before, on the top of the bed yeah, when they make out before the sex like thing, she says. Somehow in the conversation, it comes across that she's lied about something. And he says, well, I didn't have to piss on your foot. Yeah. And then they have sex. And so if he didn't have to, that is an insane thing to have done. Yes, yes it is. And and a phrase I think we'll return to doesn't make any sense. It it doesn't. It's also that's technically a, a massive amount of actual assault. That is yeah. That is. Cuz the, rea- the realistic reaction to that is thank you for saving my life by peeing on me. Mm. I could have died. Now we're like in this in this moment of like animal instinct, let's have sex and while we're doing that I didn't really have to piss on you. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. It's the it's the 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 piss first aid shower sequence <laughs> that I don't that, the that, fact that she's not shown. Why isn't she in the shower? 
Why is she just watching oh, him? She's got the piss and on why it. are they showering first? Like, yeah, I get it, but they come from the beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go wash the sand off. <laughs> then it the next everywhere. morning, <laughs> then the next morning, Luke Wilson goes into the buffet of the hotel. <laughs> yep. And he doesn't just sit down and have some of the food as someone... No, he sneaks into like, the buffet. Like, you're allowed to be there. Like, it's a double bed in the room. Like, yeah, I get it. You're meant to tell the hotel that there's two people staying there. But I don't feel like the the security are going to throw you out if they piece together that you are not actually on the books in this room. But he... But... It would be so much less conspicuous to get a plate of food and sit down and eat it. Instead, he stands at the table for ages. <laughs> he wraps bacon and he in a serviette and sticks it in his pocket, but in a way so that it's all sticking out of the pocket, <laughs> I guess just for the camera, and like is trying to eat. I'm like, are you actually a, a like... Uh, a homeless person who was really trying See, to like what, that was because weird, like, nothing about his actual life is revealed no. so I thought oh is he actually desperately trying to take advantage of this opportunity to get food mm. and take it with him because this is his only meal for the day it's so it's it's, it's you know what it was it was comedy ah that explains everything. it was comedy you know I don't you know we're not making as many jokes in this episode as we normally do and I think this film's really gotten us down because of all the comedy. We're basically towards the end of it now. Though, it's so like, it's okay. you know, if you work with someone who's a little bit older and they like make a lot of jokes. Yeah. And you kind of have to laugh and you laugh long because you, you, you work with them. But it's just like not, Actually it's not fun. anything. Mm-hmm. It's not anything. You have some of those inside jokes that just tip everybody off and you have a good time. But it's not. It's not... Yeah. This felt like talking to that person for an hour and a half. <laughs> and and them just like keep... And when, you know, when that person like gets to the end of the, the joke or the thing they're telling, there's a big pause, like an expectant pause, and you've got to go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you don't laugh, they'll say the same joke from... This, like fil- this film again. feels like it has those pauses edited into it. She sees her, so then she sees Brenton with unnamed friend girl on the beach. She gets jealous that he has a girlfriend and stalks him to where they're having lunch and then is weirdly cold towards him as if she doesn't care. One of Brenton's friends drops some weed out of their pocket when they're leaving. And then Luke Wilson tells her, It's okay, that's only marijuana. Mm-hmm. Like, this is nothing to be freaked out about. She asks Raymond to smoke it for her so she knows what he's doing. As you know, I think that's I think the idea being we should verify that this is marijuana. And mate, it's okay. It's that's 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 what that is. You don't need to ask your servant, basically, to do drugs for you in order to further scrutinize and surveil your son your this is latin the, american servant we're really getting towards yeah that's mm-hmm. that's another undeniable element of this yeah. she gets raymond to roll it for her in the car so she's going to smoke she, she's now smoking she refuses to so she she can't even be told how much of this drug to take raymond is trying to tell her like you probably shouldn't smoke the whole thing this drove me mad as well there's a scene at the beginning where she very, they make a whole thing 
out of the fact that she's setting a specific ringtone on her phone for this guy who works in her office. Her phone has been ringing and she has been answering it the entire film. Yeah. Every time he rings, it's a siren sound. Very distinct. We've heard that siren and way too much. And we have shown her setting that siren. And we have shown her setting guy. it. When she's in the limo after smoking the joint, the siren goes and she looks at her phone, looks up at Ramon and says, ah, oh, it's work. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know it's work. The fact that it's work has, has been incredibly well established in this film. It's little things like that that just speak to me to a real lack of fluency in the language of your film. Like yep. Just not, not knowing what it is you have set up and what you haven't in, a, in order to allow the, the, just the scene to flow forwards. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that that makes it really unnecessarily clunky in small moments like that. That, you know, and sure, any one of them seems very small, but, you know, no raindrop blames itself for the flood. She go, she refuses to give it a minute, as per Raymond's advice. Smokes, gets just bl- blasted. She's barbecued <laughs> by this thing. And um, she goes back to lunch. She laughs a lot and she says that she's been fired. And that's when it, it's, it's revealed, like when she says she's fired, it's now like a real problem that we didn't hear the other end of any of her phone calls with work. Even yeah. though we got a scene in the office and met the other, multiple other people that work there who are like distinctive actors that you would remember and seemed yeah. like interesting characters, they're never allowed back on the screen. Because I think she probably wouldn't like that because they're a character who like structurally has power over her. So whilst they do exert an influence, we'll at least not let them be shown. <laughs> It's been presented in the film like she's covering fine, like pretending to be in L.A. Like it's never shown that that's even questioned. So the fact that she's fired really comes out of nowhere. She then decides to go to the family house, still just wretchedly high. Like she cannot talk as she walks into the house. It's so awkward. I don't know why she's there. What a a terrible, terrible idea. She bursts in on Brendan, who's with... friend who's a girl who i guess now more of an unnamed girlfriend um the more close-ups of shoes she was keeping that close-ups of shoes thing going (laughs) um she still clearly has no awareness that anything she's doing is wrong she now also is terribly high um in a way that she doesn't like pay any price for. It's not like mm. she makes a mistake while high, as she thinks. It's not like she she doesn't get more honest about anything when she's high. It's just an extra thing that I think is also kind of meant to be funny. Um, yeah. Brenton says to her, can't you see how wrong all of this is? I'm not your lover. Which, yeah, that is calling out a lot of what's what's going on here. It's super weird. She says, I wanted to be near you. Steal a whiff. It's, it's it's horrible to hear. And, okay, I had to watch this a couple times. I'm sorry. To try to figure out what they're actually saying to each other. He says, what's the idea here? That if he were still alive, meaning the brother, you'd be less weird if your mother had been, if your mother had been nicer, if your marriage hadn't broken up. Bad things happen in life. But I didn't, her thing isn't a denial that bad things happen yeah at all she says she was um it's what 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 were you doing that you had to step away it's like oh i was probably doing 10 things 
He says, it's not that you stepped away, it's that if it hadn't happened, he'd be here right now, feeling like the one stupid thing you were doing isn't enough for you. He were doing isn't enough for you, which is supposed to state that um, even if his brother was there, he'd still be trapped with an overbearing mother who doesn't she'd feel still like... be yeah so he's so he's saying that the plot device of this dead brother hasn't actually affected your character composition yeah and that you She's would be just... this way anyway yeah. i tell him that if that person would rather die than sit still and be with one thing one son if that person wouldn't be near me i'd stay very far away and i wouldn't come back amen brother I mean, being with one thing and one son isn't something that's really been shown as what her thing is, but definitely stay far away and don't don't come back. Yeah. Again, the dad is in the room out of focus in the background. I know. They, and this so is, is the, the new wife. She leaves also, for a minute to get the daughter out of the situation and comes back and has nothing to do. Still doesn't say anything. It's just Helen Hunt center, sc- center screen all the time. Um, and then the scene sort of comes and then it kind of ends with him saying, you know, you are terrible to be around. And that is, and there's no response to that. Um, true. yeah, there's surfing she again. She couldn't think of a way that she could win that, ex- that, that in particular argument. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She, she, she wrote herself into a corner there. Let's just move cut. On. Let's just cut. Move to the next she says, uh, she says to Luke Wilson, you know, you're a 20 year old male person. What did you want from your mother? See, it's this that I don't like. She's turning to Luke Wilson as if the answers to what she's doing wrong is somehow difficult to grasp. <laughs> as if, oh, you know what you know what family relationships are like? Like something's just going wrong. You're and a it's, human. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it sometimes. Like, you know, relationships are complex. Why is it that we are just not able to get it? No, it's completely obvious everything you're doing is terrible. And you need like deep like psychological help because the abs- the abject lack of insight is the problem. Yep. But she's positioned as you know you know what it's like being a parent sometimes with kids. But how can I maybe try and understand him better? It's not it's not that subtle. Um she, she so then she flies all the way home to get the unnamed child's ashes and flies all the way back. She and she goes out into the ocean and she scatters the ashes into the ocean. Which, you know, if this was a film about a child who died, that would be an emotional moment. Yeah. But what, Does the dad know she's doing that? No. Does the well, other parent, does the other bereaved parent know that you've gotten rid of the child's ashes? Or is this really just a you thing? Like most of this story. The, like the film. It's just, it's, this is just about you? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Then... It, then it's- Luke Wilson says, oh, aren't we all lucky to be here? She's like, yeah, I guess so. Then Brenton's with his friends again. I couldn't quite tell what was going on, but I think unnamed friend girl is leaving to go to university. Um, and she says, you'll have fun with your surfer guy. That could be you. And that's when he sees him ripping some mad bongs and stealing the tip money. Then finally, <laughs> Helen Hunt says, and, and that's when him goes, hmm. And then she asks, and Helen Hunt finally asks him to meet. And uh, he sees her surfing. Yep. And that's also the first time we see her surfing. Yeah, and she she finally rides one wave. Yep. 
She says, I got fired. It turns out if you stop answering your phone, that's what happens. She very famously answered her phone the whole time throughout the film. She says, I'm I'm staying, but Brenton is leaving. And then he begged the school, they're taking him back. Yeah. And um and that's and that's okay. She's able to let him go. She's been able to let go of the trauma of the child that she lost, mm-hmm. and she's embracing the nothing that is there in this in in, in LA. Yeah, there's the literally no roots she has there, here. There's nothing, as we know, there's nothing in Los Angeles. It's a famously vacant piece of the world. <laughs> um, and she, her idea for the end of um, Brendan's character's story is, it's a the story is about what goes through a character's head before them jumping off a building and hitting the ground, which sounds pretty sophomoric and annoying. Um, but her idea for the end of it is that the character just cracks her head open and dies, which is like a profoundly like pessimistic and sort of ending to suggest yeah. in the context of your profoundly open and optimistic ending your film where a character is leaving everything they've known behind and moving on to a bright new open future yeah so didn't really get that and then they surf together for a while and then we get and we get another brenton in the water montage which is probably my favorite part of the whole film (laughs) where brenton i think helen hunt and brenton work quite well together as a duo and when they had their bickering relationship in New York at the start, I was kind of on board with it. I was like, you know what? I get I get what you're doing. There's some conflict here. Let's see where this goes. Once they're not together and you don't have the endorsement of Brenton's affection for her and they grow more, she she loses all likability. Yeah. So what the when the film settles into what it is, which is just lots of shots of her surfing intercut with her being a, a sociopath, <laughs> that... That's less engaging. <laughs> um, also, no, she goes. She goes to California because Brenton says he's leaving New York, and I shit you not, they never talk about that. Hmm? They talk about him not going to NYU, but she never says anything about him why he should be in New York. No. Yeah. She just she goes all the way there, and they don't. There's never actually a conversation where they. Yeah, they don't. They don't have actual real people conversations about solutions or problems. Mm. Like she doesn't explain what the problem is, and he doesn't explain what the problem is. The film no. doesn't allow them to have that explanation. And um, she, it doesn't feel like she she changes in order to. She doesn't change to get good at surfing. She doesn't need to meaningfully change. She gets taught by Luke Wilson, but that's a relationship in which she is still dominant. Also, she why is, is her son's name Angelo? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just a weird name to choose for the son of a girl, a woman named Jackie. Yeah, maybe it was the dad's idea. We'll never know. We, we really won't. She's presented as being like right to control Raymond in the way that she does, and there's no, there's no, there's no conflict there. It's she doesn't have to she she doesn't show Brenton like a new side of herself. She just proves him wrong by she learning doesn't show surfing. Anyone a new side of herself. Like 
even at the end when she's scattering the ashes and she knows how to surf now, we're, we're, we're still not shown any growth from her character. Because yeah. Helen's Hunt, Helen Hunt's performance doesn't change in any scene in the film. I do not think she has chemistry with Brenton. I think Brenton has the ability to have chemistry with most people. But yeah. Helen Hunt does not have the ability to 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 be charismatic with him. Yeah. And, that's the and same she thing won't for... let him do do anything. Like if like if Helen Hunt isn't there, Brenton is either he's alone staring out of the ocean uh-huh. or just telling exposition to his nameless friends. Yes. Um and that one the the scene where her and Luke Wilson and the driver are mm. at Santa Monica Pier and they hide behind the pole. Because Brenton's on the other side talking to his friends. Yeah. And then they lean around the side of the pole in what would classically be a nice comedic shot in a comedy film. Yeah. It's just creepy. Like, really creepy. Yeah. that. It's not funny. It's, just, it's not what mother-son relationships... Well, that's not It's true. not... Like, you can have a film about a mother who... Is worry is an overbearing mother, and her son's decided that he doesn't want to go to university anymore. He wants to be a surfer, so she comes to California to follow him. And then you have comedic things take place where she's learning to surf to try and be cool, like like all this sort of stuff. But it's not this. Yeah, the the what what it is he wants, or what he's what he's trying to do. Like, does he want to just? If he decides, if if he decided he wanted to be a professional surfer instead of being a writer, which his mum had always wanted, mm. that would be a little bit clearer, and that would give more motivation for her to go and do the the surfing thing. Instead of like, no, he still very much wants to be a writer. This is just his hobby. That one time he said, "Oh, you could never do that," yeah. and she gives she up her whole board. life in order to do it. Yeah, <sighs> it's just it's let's just let's just chalk it down to. And Brenton really wanted this. Like he, like he, he went for it. He, he really wanted to to read for it because he's not like he's not the way Helen Hunt wrote him on the page because yeah. he's like a sort of cerebral, pasty, indoorsy New York kid. Yes, I don't know how she got that character to being a surfer, but yeah, how you think that that character is going to now become a surfer? Yeah. without it being Brenton. Yeah, yeah. Like Brenton is obviously a surfer. I mean, just look at him. Yes. Um, but I think I think Brenton really wanted to be in this, and I think he's you know. Well, he, you would if Helen Hunt is making yeah. the movie. If Helen Hunt and Luke Wilson are making the surf and movie, and you've got the chance to audition for said movie, you go like hell, hell to the fucking yes. Yeah. At the end of it, Helen Hunt's characters you know she's basically like just sort of walking off into the future who knows what happens in one of these interviews they say oh you know what do you think um what happens to jackie after that point like what's her you know what do you think she does next and helen hunt like can't even come up with a guess she's she says well i oh i'm not sure i well you know i only wrote it up to that point so you can't even in the moment in front of an audience like just guess something, which to me people. just betrays like it's not a three dimensional character living in her mind that you can that you can play forward. I'm like, well, I know this character quite well, having played them and written them and directed this movie. Mm-hmm. I guess they'd probably do this or that. So I thought that was telling. Um, and 
on Wikipedia, it doesn't say what budget the film was made with, as most films do, uh, 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 do but it says that the box office made $6,489. Brutal. Look, it wasn't great. It, and that's all... It wasn't great. person's fault in particular. It's the decision for the romance to spring out of the pissing incident. It's to make her be really high during the emotional climax. It's to it's make to, her treat every other character as worthless. Yeah. Including and, her son. And face no comeuppance for that. Uh-huh. Nothing bad happens to her. The only bad... Nothing bad happens to her. I think losing the job the is good. Losing the injury and losing the job and... That sort of stuff are her comeuppance. I think. I think that's what yeah. Helen Hunt believes. Yeah. Is the but losing the job is 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 coded as being going to be good for this character because it's, it's going to yeah, help her move on. And and I think like the indignity of falling off the surfboard is meant to be a big thing as mm-hmm. well. But like and no one sees that surf. happen, and she yeah, it's, she doesn't pay any social cost for that. No, she pays so. It's a film without. I I don't think there are redeeming qualities in the, in the film. There's there's some redeeming cast members too. There's a much. definitely several actually redeeming cast members. I think um, Zayas, the the driver, yeah, would be the perfect choice for that role in this as a comedy film. So yeah. would Luke Wilson as a, a surfing instructor. Yeah, if if, it is actually film. all like, yeah, the casting of it is is great. And Brenton <laughs> would be great if this was a comedy film as well. Like Brenton's role as a, a sheltered son who wants to be a surfer would be so great if this was a comedy. Yeah. There's... Like, structurally, there's actually very little stakes attached to whether or not she gets good at surfing. It shouldn't even be about her surfing. For the film she's written, it should have nothing to do with her surfing. Given, given how much screen time the surfing takes up, you'd think it was a film where you've got to win a surf competition <laughs> to protect the town yeah. from the oil tycoon that's going to buy the beach or something. It's not. It's The, sur- the surfing like, aspect of any of it is extremely tactical. It's like, she's like, cool, I want to make a movie that involves surfing because I've done a surfing movie two years ago and I want to do another one. Yeah, let's but go, let's go back to that well. But what if the surfer and then she just develops a story that has nothing to do with the fact that it's a surfing movie? Yeah. And she, it's... Look, making a movie's hard. I've never done it. But I still feel like... <laughs> I feel it's like, po- like it's it's po- but what's not hard I'll say yeah is to just not write characters in this way I think I'm not saying this is you know I'm not saying it's easy to make you know an amazing film it's very difficult and complicated but mm-hmm. the bones of it the structure of just what your character is like and what they go through I feel like that is a much simpler aspect of a film to get right. And it's something that it amazes me that someone who's worked in film their entire life. That's what get that's what gets me. If someone has had such a long career, yeah. how they then go to make a film like that a, doesn't work on a fundamental level of everything. Like I understand that <laughs> writing and directing and acting, etc. are all very different disciplines. But 
Come on. But you, you... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, see, that's I mean, thing. come on. If you work in a hospital and you're, <laughs> yeah. say you're a nurse, you're a trained nurse in a hospital, and then the administrator isn't there one day, you'd have still had some sort of knowledge of what this person does to know where this file would be located if you needed to find it. Yeah, I guess. You've got a rough idea of what they do. Exactly. You know this person's job. You would understand that this person has a job and it's necessary. Well, well, or maybe we actually wouldn't, and but we'd think we would, and that's the problem. <laughs> maybe this is the reason why Brenton's not famous yet. I don't um, think it is because I don't think anybody saw this movie. No, I don't. I, I, I don't think. Honest, I don't think this moved the needle in any direction. I did not know this film existed until we started talking about Brenton. Me neither. And when we stop talking about Brenton, even mm. when we do our next episode of this thing, I'm not going to think about this film again. Yeah. Because for me, it doesn't affect Brenton's career at all. No. It's great that he got to do a film. It's an unhappy Brenton. entry. Yes. In a genre of films of like of white actresses about this age. Yeah. Doing doing films that always kind of bait like the subtext of which is your life isn't over. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can still experience either adventure or sexuality or something else. Uh-huh. Even even though even though you're middle aged and also you're a normal person with with whose life is boring, mm-hmm. you you none of those things are obstacles to you having an experience that someone could make a movie out of. And some people might see that movie and think this was actually pretty boring and not something you should have made a movie about. But to the people who are the intended audience, it's actually an enriching and validating experience because it says there's still hope for them. I had a scroll through the user reviews on IMDb and yeah. there is a massive range. That's some a recurring theme have, for Brenton's movies. Some people have raved about Helen Hunt's acting ability, which, I will be honest, is not shown off in any way, shape or form in this film. No. She can act. She can act. So in many films. I'm not about to say she can't. In this it's 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 the same for the entire thing. There is well, no growth, there's no dialogue. You can only act as well as the lines you've written. Exactly. So we can't blame Helen Hunt for that. <laughs> uh, others um, make wild assumptions about Brenton's performance that are incorrect. Um, Unwarranted. And then there's a lot of them that talk about the fact that the film is definitely not funny. And then several that say it's hilarious when it's funny. Yeah. But I think yeah. Part of it, yeah, is the it, 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 as it, the as the as the as the sort of amateur comedy connoisseur that I might position myself as <laughs> part of me it gets annoyed by yeah, things the things that aren't things there's lots of things that aren't funny that hundreds of thousands of people will laugh at. Yes. And and, um, and you might say comedy is subjective, but it's not and they're wrong. See that the thing is, there are a lot of things that aren't funny that people laugh at that you can look at and be like, yes, I know why you think that's funny, and that's yeah, sure. great. Yeah, good for you. This is not one of those things. There's things, there's like there's ways you can get a laugh out of people, but that doesn't mean you should be doing it. True. Like for me, the third Hangover movie. 
Love it. It's terrible and I hate it. We'll defend but... it till the day I die. Make three more. Yes, please. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you enjoyed it and a lot of people enjoyed it. That's and my that's trash. As I like but to I think it's shit. This is shit. And no one should think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Helen. I'm not sorry, Helen. Our decisions of what is and isn't shit is just, you know, it's not a... It, the, these are just ever-widening ever and shrinking rings and of, of, of pools, of ripples yeah. in, the, in the water, you know. Are we so, allowed... To stop now? Just spitballing to uh, not rank this one. And... Why would we not do that? Because I I don't want to put something that happened so far into his career right down the bottom. Isaac, you have to respect the process, okay? Fine. And that's what Brent would ask of us. It, it so is. as people may know, we don't <laughs> score these films. We rank them. Yeah, we do. This is a ranking podcast, mostly Our about favorites. ranking stuff. Oh, you know what we didn't do on um, Maleficent? What did we do? We on didn't say which of which of Brendan's characters would win in a fight. Oh. So we also rank them from most favorite to least favorite, yeah. and then we also decide which of all the characters Brenton has played would win in a fight <laughs> against all the others. So this is the seventh movie going on the list. Do you think this movie is better or worse than Maleficent? Worse. Oculus. Worse. The Signal. Worse. Save Your Legs. Worse. Blue Lagoon. I want to say worse. I think, yes, I think yeah. I, I think Blue Lagoon is a stronger film than this. Yeah, same. Personally. Because there are moments in that with a little bit of comedy. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uneven, but it's more focused and it's got more... It also more, doesn't lie about anything that it is. And it's got much more soul to it. That is there's true. something soulless. There's a... There's a there's a there's a nobody's home aspect to the soul of this film yeah, and, that I and Blue Lagoon is fun. Yeah, you can watch Blue Lagoon and have a it good is time. fun. It doesn't feel like you're sitting there mm. forcing yourself to finish a film. <laughs> yeah, Charge Over You. I think this is better than Charge Over You. What do I think? See, Charge yeah, because Charge Over You did inspire a similar. Uh, moral distaste in me due to its Christian yes it's, it's like it's but it's inefficient Christian messaging this film doesn't try to preach anything at well you. I think it does I think it's I think it is but it's doing it in a more oblique way but it is preaching a certain way of approaching the world which is less explicitly harmful but maybe but more insidious well maybe this is a worse film than Charge Over You Simply for the fact that more people have seen this film than have seen, <laughs> so its influence, its influence has has done more damage. Um, <laughs> it's a yeah. terrible way to look at something. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is better than Charge Over You. This does. You've have, got. You've got. You've, you've got Luke Wilson. You've got a bigger, better, stronger Brenton performance. You do. You've got the water photography. You have surfing Brenton. You've got surfing Brenton. <laughs> what are we saying? Obviously, this is better than Charge Over You. But, but there's but there's some scenes that, like if we like, I think if. If, I think if we were ranking it this scene by scene, mm -hmm. the worst scene would be from this. Definitely, with without this scene, the 
There's see. Yeah. I used to have a brother. But I now <laughs> don't. Are you are you saying but your brother died? I'm it's, not it's saying as though he doesn't want to say it, but he started talking and now he can't not finish <laughs> the sentence. I used to, oh um Are you saying your brother's a... dead? I'm saying <laughs> I'm not saying that I do have a brother I don't now. I don't I do but what I do know not... <laughs> about what I don't have I don't is that my brother have a brother <laughs> who's not now here is and also where I don't brother <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> just one surf go surfing what still holding his book what happened to your brother he died <laughs> imagine that imagine that you have any siblings oh no my brother died. Yeah, I've got one sister. Also, why uh, was yeah. that left until the middle of the film? As though it's it a was... reveal, Isaac. It's a reveal <laughs> that suddenly makes everything else click into place. Oh, you so know how it's the, so the massive. The, yeah, because as yeah. we know, parents are only ever uncomfortably overbearing in response to terrible grief, <laughs> not because they're just shitty people like we all are. I have a sister and I had a younger brother that died. How hard is that? I have a half-sister. Oh, yeah, he makes a big meal out of that as well. Actually, I don't think... I think she's actually a stepsister. I think that's what's... I think it's implied that she's a stepsister, but now the new wife is pregnant. And that's what tips her off the... I don't understand. It's not... It's fine. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Thank How you. nice was it that, to see Mike White as the publisher, though? That was a little ray of sunshine Just as well. Throwing some nice little extra stuff in. Yeah. yeah. A nice right. comedic cast. It's available on YouTube. So um, if you're, you know, if you're into this. It's okay. What are we watching thank, next week? Thanks for listening, everybody. We're on Twitter, Exceptional Pod, Instagram, Exceptional Thieves, ExceptionalThieves at gmail.com if you want to send us your your opinions. So what should I do? So um, as Danny would say, who See are you? How side. do you keep getting in here? I'm not going to listen to it. You're not the podcast people, are you? I'm so sick of this. Rachel, quick, call the police. Rachel, oh no, where's where's Rachel gone? Oh, why am I? Why are the panic doors closing? Now I'm locked in here with them. Help. See you guys. <laughs>